0: Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us from Nashville is Adam Balfour. Adam is the Vice President and General Counsel for Corporate Compliance in Latin America for Bridgestone Americas. And today we're going to be talking about their celebration of Corporate Compliance and Ethics Week. First, Adam, thanks for joining us and welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. Really, really glad to be here again. Glad to have you again. Let's talk about what you guys have been doing. Uh, Bridgestone America, as you told me, has been celebrating Corporate Compliance and Ethics Week for several years now. Uh, How have you evolved the program over the years as you've gotten it out and into the workforce? Yes, our our Ethics and Compliance Week, we've probably celebrated it now. I think
1: this was last year was the seventh consecutive year. So this would be the eighth year in a row that we've had this. Um, our approach, it's, it's changed over time, and I think really what we've tried to do in the last few years is intentionally cut down on the number of events that we're holding during the week, but really to make sure that those events that we are holding, we really excel when we put them on. Um, so really, our week, it kind of boils down to, you know, we have a survey that goes out to our employees um, about a month or so ahead of the week, so that way we can get feedback, we can get how our employees are feeling, so we can incorporate that into some of our discussions. Um, then we've got some different panels that we have, two different panel discussions we have. Um, and then we have get some other fun things as well, like a Leading with Integrity Awards or, or Bridgestone Compliance Battle Royale as well. So definitely changed over the years and I think we'll, we'll continue to change as well in the future.
0: Well, and I definitely want to talk about a couple of those things you mentioned. So let's talk about some of the programs that you you've kept that make the week special there. You you just mentioned the Leading with Integrity Awards. Can you tell us how that works? Yeah, so this is this is something we came up with
1: a few years ago. Um and candidly, this is probably one of my favorite things about our program. Um, and I think you know we all know that disciplinary corrective measures, those are important, right? Those are a key part of an ethics and compliance program. But I don't think that ethics and compliance has really leaned in enough into incentives. I think partly because of that, I think a lot of ethics and compliance programs really have, I think, a pretty, pretty bad brand. And I think that's a shame. And I think when people think of ethics and compliance as, as heavy as you're just getting people into trouble, it's, it's hard to make it engaging. Um, so what we did, I think, with with our brand to, to try and change that, and also just to really celebrate and recognize you know those leaders, managers, and supervisors who are really I think that the key first ingredient of our, our program, you know how do we celebrate those people that are being proactive, who are really setting the gold standard, and so we are a we're a fifty thousand person company in the Americas. Not surprisingly, right, I don't know everyone in our organization. So what we did was we 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 opened it up so teammates could nominate you know, any leaders, managers, or supervisors that, that they they work with who they really think were were deserving to be considered for one of these prizes. And it's great, right, because I don't know everyone. And so there were some people who were nominated who I knew, and I knew what they did to support the program. There were some other people that I knew who they were, but I actually didn't know, like, wow, these people are really doing a lot to support our program. Um, And then there were just a lot of nominations as well, that people that I just, I didn't personally know. And it's just great to hear that even though I don't have a personal relationship with them, they're supporting our program, right? The message is getting through. Um, So what we did was once we got those nominations, um, we actually created a a cross-function. Um, you know panel to decide the winners so that was another way in which we engaged leaders you know some pretty senior leaders going through the nominations and, and picking uh five or six winners um, and then what we did was during our leadership panel um, which uh, the first year we did this it was our, our CEO and one of our external directors they announced the five winners um, on a call with it was about almost 1100 employees on the call and I, I think that is probably the, the the greatest impact knowing that the CEO knows your name and knows it for good purposes <laughs> or good reasons, I think really has a huge impact. And so it's something that is very cost effective. You know, we we hand out, you know, some trophies, but people really like it. And I I honestly just like celebrating when people do a great job.
0: Well, and that's great that you're doing this because, you know, one, as you said, there's not enough incentives out there. People haven't really made the investment as they have in the whole discipline side of things. But secondly, you know, virtue should be its own reward, but it isn't always. And it's nice for people to see that there are rewards for doing the virtuous thing, even if it is just a public recognition, which often can be more important than than a thing um, that you would hand them. It's you know, knowing that what they've done has been recognized, and as you said, by senior leadership up to the CEO. Now, now, speaking of senior leadership, you also conduct a panel with uh, with your senior leaders. What do they discuss and who typically would listen in on this? Yeah, so we, we've done this now for the last three years in a row. And usually what we've done is
1: brought together a, a four person panel. I think the first year we had, we had three leaders. Um, and then what we do is we invite our, our, our teammates, our, our employees from across the region to, to join. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've had um, our CEO, multiple um, other members of the C-suite who are they're frankly, always just really willing to, to, to be part of these panels. Um, sometimes surprises me when people at other companies, like how did you get the CEO to, to sit on on a panel. Like, well, well, we asked him and we, we, we asked him far enough <laughs> ahead of time to to, to get in his schedule. But I don't think I could work at a company if, if the CEO or other C-suite members said, no, 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 I'm not going to make time for you. And, and thankfully, we don't have that problem. Um, and so we've really used that to, I think, set that tone at the top, right? Really make it clear. It's a different voice from mine, right? This is our, our C-suite who are talking about the importance of ethics and integrity, how it plays into, you know, strategy, st- strategy, how it plays into them making decisions. Um, but what I like, particularly about our session last year, right, it's not just our, our leaders um, making the nice message of, you know, compliance is important. It's key to everything we do, but we actually get them to lean into the, to the challenges. And so last year, what we did was we, we came up with some, and I actually thought they were pretty challenging, ethical dilemmas. And we presented those to the panel and asked them to, to, to talk through, like what would you do in that situation? And we also had our employees were voting um, live as well. It was kind of multiple choice answers. And so it was interesting to see how would senior leaders handle a particular situation differently from our teammates. And I think it was just leaning in, right? It's not just saying you need to speak up, but it's leaning in to say, you know, you should speak up, but sometimes speaking up is hard. And also we are gonna listen when you speak up. So that's the type of thing we've done, um, That we we usually get a really great response. People want to join that. um, And I think it's just great when you hear from your senior leaders, you know, genuinely talking about uh, the importance of ethics and integrity.
0: Well, and it also must be good to be able to, one, see that others, including the top management, does have to wrestle with these issues, and two, seeing how they go about it and providing some direction for your own choices. Now, speaking of sort of making your own choices relative to your own life, you also use contemporary culture to trigger conversations, which I love since that makes things more approachable and much closer to home. Tell us about how that program works. Yeah, So I think there's the the traditional, you know, training and communication.
1: And, and we've tried to really shift our mindset away from that to, to much more learning and engagement. You know, I think we've all sat through trainings that don't result in learning, right? We've all received communications that just don't have the impact um, or the same impact as, as their intent. And so I think what we've done is really focusing on learning and engagement. I think when you do that, you can actually be a lot more creative, um, including using, you know, pop culture and, uh, and other things. And particularly when you think about, you know, the adult le- learner theory right we as adults learn differently from children right we we use stories right we've got existing reference points that we can really use to help people build on you know i had a mentor from from years ago he 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 taught me something that i, I don't think i really understood until years later but you know you can't really teach adults you can only help them learn and so using pop culture really movies tv shows things people are already familiar with, maybe they've got an emotional attachment to it as well. I think you can just, you can cover a lot more content in a much more relevant and relatable way than if you were to present it in a more traditional format. And frankly, I think it just makes things a lot less scary, right, as it becomes a lot more relatable. um, And so covering things, whether you're talking about Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Tiger King, um, Parks and Recreation, there's, there's bribery of a government official in Parks and Recreation. I think a lot of people don't realize it just it just, it just makes it so much less dry and boring, and I think really much more focused on your employees. How do you build this program for them to make it, you
0: know, just feel less scary? And less scary is is better, and something that you know hopefully they get a smile from also helps in the learning process because you've got not just the intellectual but the emotional attachment to things. Now, finally, let's go back to something uh, you mentioned earlier, which is the compliance battle royale. Um I'm curious to know what that is. I, I assume it's not the compliance team fighting it out or the whole office fighting it out against the compliance team. But what is it exactly?
1: Yeah, th- thankfully, it's not everyone just fighting against us. But, uh, you know, this is one of these events um, that, that we call the Bridgestone Compliance Battle Royale. It truly takes a village to put this on. It is a lot of work, but I think the engagement we get from people is just been tremendous. So, you know, really what we wanted to do was how do we change how people see and feel and experience uh, compliance? So so we came up with the battle royale concept. And so what this is essentially is it's a four day contest during our ethics and compliance week. Um, We have 16 different departments. Um, We put them into a bracket. Uh, We we, we seat them as well. Um, and there's five questions. It's a uh, it's a daily eliminator style rounds um, where the winner of each round we take the top five scores um, and we use a, an online tool that will give you points based on if you get the question correct and also if you get it who gets the question correct in the least amount of time and so people get very competitive about it they get very excited. Um, the first year we did this, you know, I, I did want to be a little bit provocative, right? We're kind of pushing the boat out, so we came up with a Tagline uh, compliance isn't about peace and love; it's about winning a war. Um, candidly, I was I was I thought it was so provocative. I thought you know some people might have objected. Only one person did, but I think it actually was quite engaging because people weren't used to that branding from ethics and compliance. And so the first year we did this, which was pre-pandemic, um, I was running a few minutes late. I had a meeting, and so by the time I got to one of the conference rooms where where one of the battles was taking place, I was kind of worried like is it just going to be empty? Is anyone going to have turned up and almost knocked over several people because it was standing room only. Um, I do have video footage. Uh, you know, we had people high fiving, people cheering. It was just great engagement. And that first year, I was like, Are we going to bring this back? It's a lot of work. Uh, but we actually heard our marketing team. They 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 made it all the way to the the semifinals where they were beaten. And as they were walking back to, to their floor, you know, I overheard them talking about, all right, next year, our strategy, here's what we've got to do. And at that point, it was like, if marketing is so engaged in this, we have to bring it back. Um, so we've now done this for for the last three years. Um, and I do think at some point, we're going to mix it up, I'll get some other uh, gamification, uh, you know, kind of in concepts at this stage. Um, so we'll see what we can do. But I really think it's, it's a lot of fun. But there's also some serious elements to it as well that, uh, you know, we retest questions based on e-learning. If we saw people got some things incorrect, you know, the messages of the other trainings been making a difference. Um, We can also use, uh, we test on some information that we intentionally only give to a small group of leaders. See, are they cascading that information? Are they talking about it with their teams? If not, it kind of gives me an opportunity to say, well, maybe I need to focus more on this group Um, or, hey, this group's actually doing a lot of, uh, a lot of efforts around this. And also we can use it to push. Our initiatives as well, you know, we can include some questions on that. So it really is a lot of fun. Um, people do definitely get engaged and something I think will we'll continue. So all, all for making ethics and compliance as much fun as we can while, while helping people learn. Well,
0: it sounds like it certainly does help them learn. And it also provides a good auditing function for yourself on the state of the program. And it's what's wise about it also is you tap into the competitive instinct that people have in business and um, use it for the ends of compliance as opposed to, as often as the case, the competitive instinct takes over to the detriment of compliance. Adam, I want to thank you again for taking the time to share your insights with us. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletout from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.